we're back with a guest yes. here on the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. This is episode 22 of season two, and we really couldn't have done much better for our first guest of 2024, as we welcome the talk of the region at the moment, Stuart Tree Siren, and more recently, Glasgow Warrior, Phaedra Snailham. Phaedra, thank you so much for joining us, chatting to us today. How's things? How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. This feels really weird, but yeah, I'm going to try and enjoy it. So Phaedra, we always start by figuring out how you got to where you are at the moment. So where did rugby start for you? Where did you pick up the ball for the first time? Where did you find the love for this game? What are the stepping stones to to kind of your more recent years of rugby? I didn't start playing rugby until I was 21. So I was in my third year of university at, at Glasgow Uni. And I started playing as a vet. Like they do this competition between the vet schools and they do all different sports. So they they have like all different teams in there. This rugby team and creating this new rugby team just for this one game to play against the dick vet. So signed up for that and we were training in in like a horse yard thing so we were training on this weird foamy stuff it was really good and I just I really enjoyed it and I was like this is this is really fun like not knowing the rules not coming from a rugby background like no one in my family watches rugby has played rugby before it's really like a brand new sport for the whole family to be honest and I have introduced them all to to the sport now and now everyone loves it so it's been good in that way yeah so really started at university starting off in this game that was just meant to be like one match and for a lot of people like it was just this one match but for me I wanted to keep playing so I joined the actual Glasgow University women's team. And as you say was it uh it was like a kind of love at first play I suppose you just wanted to keep going you joined the sport quite late as you said for people a lot of people start rugby when they're younger, but starting then after you've played other sports, it was just a love straight away for rugby and you, you've not stopped playing it since, have you? Yeah, no, and I, I honestly, the thought of not playing is, is really rubbish. Like, I don't want to ever get to, like, oh, I'm too old to play now. Like, I just want to play forever. <laughs> once you get once you get to my age, Fedor, that changes. <laughs> <laughs> For as long as my body can take it, it'll be take it. <laughs> yeah, so I never played rugby till late, but I, I did play sports and I have always been active and sporty. And hockey was my main sport at school because it was really the only sport that you could play. So that's the one that I did play. And then I picked up lacrosse for my first two years at university just for another sort of sport to to play trying to find a sport I think that I really wanted to play knowing that I wanted to to do something sporty and and be in a sport because that's really like something for me that I have to do like I have to be playing something or being active like like I can tell when I haven't exercised and really exerted myself and I think that's one of the reasons why I do love rugby so much because you you really do have to like fully exert yourself in every way. And it's not just one part of you. Give it your all and you're totally exhausted. <laughs> and then what about joining Stuartry? Because as we say, not starting the sport until quite late. 
but also coming to you're you're from the area of course but joining a rugby club is never an easy thing you know I did it myself I joined Stuartry last year but I only joined when I was 23 and a lot of the people at the club had been here for a long time but clearly when you joined Stuartry they made you feel very welcome you've enjoyed it and and you've kicked on ever since you know you stepped through the doors at Stuartry. Yeah, like I wish, I really wish there. I'd went to under sixteens, under twenty, under eighteens, under twenties. Like, I'm like I'm jealous of the girls that are getting to do that now. Like that they've had so much more time to be able to play and just like develop. But it's it's great to see that 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 is happening and it's happening at Sturtry and and like the girls train before we train on a Tuesday and you can see how many girls are there. Like it's it's class to think they couldn't even, or they didn't even consider starting a girls team at Wallace Hall when I was there. And now they've got like, you know, over 15 girls going to training on a on a Tuesday night at Stewartry. Like it's class. And what was the difference, Phaedra, between uni rugby and when you joined Stewartry? Maybe the standard or the way you trained or when your games were, you know, all of that put together because university versus club rugby can be quite different. Yeah, so at at uni, the game was much faster. We did have set moves, you know, we had had our plays. There was a lot more, you know, getting the ball sort of shipped around. It was less sort of running into contact, taking contact. It was definitely more trying to avoid the contact whereas like sirens rugby was more you know there was attached to the you know the scrums the set piece in both teams there was a lot of opportunity for me to to run which is really what I like to do is to be able to run but some at university level or certainly the level that that we would be at, at there would be a lot of opportunity to just like sneaky run so like you know there you sometimes play a team and they kick the ball to you at kickoff you'd catch it and you could run up the pitch and score you know and then obviously then when you go to sirens you know and you're straight into prem you're not really going to catch the ball the first play of the game and, and be able to run to the other side of the pitch and, and score a try in general there's probably yeah you'd probably we were scoring more tries, but conceding more tries as well, like at University Rugby than at Sirens Rugby. Phaedra, we need to talk a little bit about last season because both for the team and for you, it was a pretty pretty amazing season. You won 10 out of 10 games, promotion into the Premiership. You know, you got, got the chance to move up into the elite of Scottish women's rugby how did you find last season? What were some of the highlights for you? Yeah, the season last season was, was great. It was amazing to be able to say that we'd won all of all of our games. And, you know, that was something that we set out to, to, to achieve, especially when we were starting to win them. We were like, well, we can win all of these games. And, and that's something that we were striving towards throughout the whole season. We were winning them well as well. Like we were, we weren't just kind of scraping through. We were, we were winning our games properly. From a selfish point of view, my goal for that season was to be top try scorer. It was always in my head every game that we played. I was like, I need to score tries this game. I wanted to score tries every game. So that for me was something that I 
I really was wanting that season in particular. And then to be able to say that we had then managed to get into the highest level of the women's game that we've got in Scotland was a, a big achievement and something that I personally wanted to say that I'd been a part of as well as well as the club and 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 like I felt like the club deserved that recognition as well of getting into the premiership and showing that we were still there like still being a good club and a good team even though we'd been kicked out a couple of years before. This season has been different though Phaedra obviously last season was was amazing this season has been difficult but you've been playing at the the top, top level of Scottish women's rugby. How have you found this season? What are your thoughts looking back on on the games we've played? Yeah, I've still thoroughly enjoyed myself, even though we've been losing. It's it's still been good. Like I think in general, the standard in the Premiership is increasing and it does need to increase for us to be competitive. I'm glad I've been a part of it and that, and that Stuart as a club has been a part of it. And I hope the standard continues to to increase and that, you know, Scottish Premiership can be as big as the the game in England. So for me personally, playing the games, I've enjoyed the defence game that we've had to play for some of our matches. Like personally, my defensive role has had to improve in in these games and it's, you know, tested the, the work rate as well to be able to, you know, keep that going and and make a tackle, get back up, make another tackle, look to see where you need to be and the pitch, like go where you need to go. And I've enjoyed it. I just want to play rugby week in, week out. So although it's been harder, the level up, like undoubtedly, it's still it's still been a good time for me, and I think it's still been, hopefully, been good for for the other girls to be able to to learn more and to be able to adapt our game. As I said, Phaedra, most recently, though, you know, moving away from uni, moving away from Stuartry Sirens, most recently you've become a Glasgow Warrior for the newly formed Glasgow Warriors women's team. How did that kind of happen? How did that come about? Did you speak to someone? Did you get a phone call? Did someone come and see you at the club? You know, obviously it's all very new for everyone. How was it for you? How did you get the opportunity to, to step into the Glasgow Warriors women's? So it was just, for me, it was out of the blue. It was an email that I got from Scottish Rugby and it just said, it never said Glasgow Warriors on it. They said they hadn't didn't have a name for the team yet. They didn't or couldn't reveal the name for the team or what it was, but that they were setting up this new competition, the Celtic Challenge, and that they were doing trials for it and they were going to select 30 girls from however many they picked initially and it sent out these emails too and then there was a whole massive list of of dates as well to say if you were available for all of these dates which were the the training dates but there was two days initially or three dates initially that were like the wider squad and then from that they were selecting the the 30 players so so I got the I got the email and then I was like I was really chuffed like I was really excited because to be able to play up again was something that I wanted to do even more like yeah and then I got a, a message from from Debs being like 
have you looked at your email? And I was like, how does she know what this email is? <laughs> and then and then she phoned me and said that, yeah, kind of explained to me a little bit more about about what it was. So I don't know specifically how they chose me, whether they came and watched a Sirens game or how it came about. I just know that I, I got there somehow. And I don't know, I don't know what my try record was or is now probably not that great but at one point I did have the most tries in the premiership so yeah maybe that reputation I don't know how long that lasted but certainly (laughs) at one point I had the most tries in the prem which I think for a team that's maybe sitting at the bottom that's pretty decent. And and speaking of training with Glasgow Warriors how has it been? Have you enjoyed it? Did you like the step up again you know has it been intense physical what's the look of training been and how often do you train as well is it is it once a week twice a week yeah twice a week training so driving up to Glasgow twice a week sometimes straight from work using up my holiday days some other days so it's been a big commitment for me but one that I've been more than happy to to do to be honest I'd probably give up my job and just go and train (laughs) The training itself is really cool because another step up, we get a training plan, which I've never really had before, where we get in our WhatsApp group, you know, we get timings of what we're going to do. And it's really specific, like eight minutes on like 5v3s or whatever. And then uh, so you've got like an idea of what the session is going to be about. And, and they give you like an intensity code of sort of how physical it is going to be when we're doing weak games against each other, whether it's shoulders on or or whether it's just touch or whether it's live, like full contact, like it's cool to have that that layout, I think. And then all our trainings are recorded as well. So they're all videoed, which again is something totally new to me to be able to watch them back and analyse yourself, which again is something that I've not really done. We've obviously got the VO, but you're kind of so far away in that that you can't really sometimes even tell who you are on the pitch. The intensity has been great. Like up in the intensity is exactly kind of what I want at training. I, like I've welcomed it. And the fact that everyone is there to put their all in and the fact you've got so many numbers really helps with all the different training drills that we're doing. So the fact we've got more numbers, the fact that everybody is, yeah, everyone is trying to, show the the best them at training and everyone's got good ability at training you know you haven't got any any like newer players that are just learning like everyone everyone's already good everyone already can pass everyone can already tackle yeah it's been it's been really good the training and then moving from the training into the game and we had I think two games before you made your debut for the Glasgow Warriors women's Tell us a little bit about how that felt when you when you found out that you would be in that team to play the Irish side. You know, what was that feeling like? Especially starting as well, starting on the wing. It must have been a really proud moment for you and your family. Yeah, so I was reserve sub for the first two games, which is the absolute worst position you can be in because it is torture because you go to the game, you put your kit on, you've got your boots on, you do the full warm up. It's class. Like you're in the hive. 
you're in like on the Welsh pitch I can't remember what album was called and then it's like no one gets interested in the warm-up you just go sit at the side like with the subs knowing that you'll never get on the pitch so I really hated it but I loved the fact that it showed that I was almost there like I just needed to get on the bench or 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 make the team like he obviously kind of showed me that I was I was there in the forefront of people that could get selected but I, you know for whatever reason I just wasn't getting picked so I just had to keep keep going and keep hoping that I could get the opportunity to to prove myself and and to be able to be on the team sheet and I to be honest I kind of felt a bit disheartened like I'm probably never gonna get get to play and that's fine like I was starting to tell myself you're getting to do this fab training like you're getting better if that's all it is like that's fine like you can you've still had a great experience if if that's all that this is like that's cool and but then yeah I got picked and I was like yeah <laughs> exactly what I wanted because I almost felt like at training I couldn't fully demonstrate what I played like you know I feel like well, part of my game is that I uh, I feel like I'm quite tough I'm not sure that you can fully show that at training or at training as well like it's a lot to do with who because you're in groups and stuff like what group you're you're in or if you weren't in the starting team at training you you were in like a different group and then it wasn't always that all the positions were filled so you'd maybe have 15 people there but you didn't have like a, a 1 to 15 position wise so then you always or certainly I felt on the back foot when you weren't in the starting team to then try and demonstrate your and what you could do so yeah making the debut was a was a massive deal and I just really wanted to show what I could do because that's what I'd kept asking the coach I was like just put me on the pitch I'll show you I'm actually so much better than I'm training <laughs> and you absolutely proved that when they did put you on the pitch I mean as you say making your debut was such an amazing feeling but it must have been a hundred times better to to make your debut and score as well you're the first woman to score for the Glasgow Warriors women's team at Scotstoun that will never ever be taken away from you that will be there in the history books forever and ever and that must just feel amazing do you remember much about the try do you what you were doing or did you just see the line and and (laughs) go for it yeah so I before every match that I play I'm like to ask myself how many tries am I going to score so I'm like well probably score two tries this game so I was never going into that match thinking that I wasn't going to score a try and I know I, I would have felt crap if I hadn't scored a try. Like even in like the sirens matches, if I don't score a try, I think I've had a terrible game. And I might have had the best game, might have got man of the match, but I didn't score a try. So I'm like, what was the point of maybe even being on the pitch? I feel like that is my role. Like if I don't do that, then I've not done what I am meant to do for the team. So yeah, in my head, I was like, I was visualizing that try. That wasn't quite the try I was visualizing, to be fair. Like I was visualizing some some running involved, but I'm I'm hungry for a try every game. And I think that that's why I always kinda 
managed to to get them because I'm always looking, always looking to get that try. In terms of the try, like watching it back, I didn't I didn't realize how much of a team try it was, but it really it really what did go from one side of the pitch, like the ball went to the other. So there's a lot of times where it could have went wrong for for like the Glasgow Warriors, you know. There's a lot of people involved in like keeping that ball safe all the way to the edge. So I was screaming for the ball like off the thirteen, like one in the pass, and then she took it in. Yeah, I think maybe Louise McMillan took picked and goad and then Mary went over and and like blasted the rock and then I was just I could see that the the player that had tackled like wasn't back up and I was like that there's like I knew there was a space and I just uh picked and goad. So I did. So yeah, and then I think I literally did a physical like skip and jump in the air. Like I was like <laughs> and then I felt okay, I've got to try. I can relax a little bit. All my Sirens teammates have been so lovely about the whole thing. So encouraging and supportive for me getting into the Warriors team. And yeah, all the messages I got after the match was just so nice. Like I was totally overwhelmed with how lovely everyone has been. And it's just proved like what a nice team the Sirens are. and what an, All my teammates are just class. So Another thing I'm really proud of is the fact that I'm the only one there from the southwest Scotland as well. Like I'm the only one representing that area of Scotland. So being there, I do feel like that little bit of responsibility and just to show the SRU that there is talent like outside the central belt and then hopefully more opportunities will come to the other sirens that are like are there even just now that deserve it too. And then just the last thing to ask you is basically what you're, I presume, you've kind of answered it already, what you're hoping for for the rest of the challenge. So first I want to ask, have you still been training? Because it's, there's been a little bit of a gap between the games in, in the Celtic challenge. So have you still been training? How's it been going? And what are you, what are you hoping for? What are you aiming for? To get more starts, more tries, some more history with, with the Glasgow Warriors women? I really like playing centre and I would love to play centre, but I'm not sure that's definitely going to happen because I think from the outset I was seen as sort of the one of the the back three or, or as the winger. So, I mean, in an ideal situation, I would I would get a start and I'd play 13. Like, that's what I really want to do because outside centre is, is definitely my preferred position. But playing winger in this team is, is different from playing winger in sirens or, or even at uni like the wingers heavily involved in the in the game you know and and you've got to look for your own work so yeah like I would be happy getting a start anywhere on on the pitch and I would give it my like absolute all if I can get more starts that's a hundred percent what I want and like I'm looking to to play at the weekend but obviously it's out with my hands so I can't and, and if I'm if I'm not then I'll uh, still put my all into the training and, and try and then get on the pitch the next match because I guess that's that's the level that it is. You've got to keep fighting for your place and, and proving that you deserve to, to be on the pitch. So, Phaedra, the last thing to do is just to do some quick-fire teammates. 
this is part of the podcast that I think a lot of people, including myself and John, look forward to because we like to hear the names that are in our Dumfries and Galloway teams and, and we want to hear, you know, who's the best at things, who's the worst at things. So I'm just going to give you 10 very quick ones. Whoever comes to your head first, feel free to shout them out. First one is, who do you reckon is the hardest trainer, hardest working, aside from yourself? Because obviously we've we've heard <laughs> today that you are a very hard worker and you've you've got your rewards for it. But aside from yourself and your teammates, who's, uh, who's hardworking? I'm going to say Donna. Donna does a lot. Who is the loudest in the dressing room? If you go loudest, like takes up the most space, then... Richie, Lisa Richie. <laughs> She's not the loudest, probably, in general. Yeah, she, she makes her presence known by taking up a lot of room. What about the worst dresser? Ali Henderson likes to steal a lot of clothes. So she could be wearing something totally random. Half of it's, I don't know if she's allowed to, it's half of it's from the prison, half of it's from another club, say, changing rooms that have been left behind. <laughs> but she looks good. Who have you noticed that spends the longest in front of the mirror? I don't know. It's rare to get a mirror. There isn't really mirrors anywhere. They're highly lacking in mirrors. Donna has been known to put lipstick on prior to a game. So, Who's got the worst taste in music? Dooley or Holly. Holly always puts this dance stuff on, not into it. The same with Dooley. Nah, I much prefer the, the country vibe that comes out when Lauren or Ali's got the playlist. Or Manson, sometimes she's like good for having like your naughties sort of stuff. That's good. Who in the dressing room is like the joker, maybe pulling pranks or telling jokes, that kind of stuff, the jokester of the group? Yeah, well, everyone's usually late for games and arrives at all different times, so we don't really prank that often, to be honest, because half of the time there'll be five of us out starting the warm-up and five of us have just arrived and the the other half are, yeah, putting their boots on. So, yeah. (laughs) What about maybe the most laid back in training? but can be really, really good, you know, in the game. When it comes to game day, they can just kind of turn it on or flick a switch and just, they're really relaxed in training, but on a game day, they're just, they're just really, really good. Maybe Manson. She's like, half of the time, she'll be thinking about her her dinner at training, but then on a game, she, she gives it her all. What about the toughest do you reckon? Who's the hardest? Who's the toughest? I think at training, Jess is Jess is a good trainer, actually. Jess's class. I might have to change my, my first answer. I like I, I like when Jess is at training and she, she is always there as well. She's she's good in that way too. She's um she's like if you're playing touch, she'll just try and like knock you back and like fully take you out. Like um I like that. I also think Holly's quite hard too. But yeah, Jess. Let's go, Jess. And the last one on the list, who is the best on a night out? Uh, Probably 
I mean, Jade's funny. Jade is just ridiculous. There's always a lot of stories about about Jade that that come out on a night out from like that come from like Holly or or Jess or yeah. Ali's funny too. She does great dance moves and same with Donna. The two of them together are quite fun to watch. Well, Phaedra, that's everything we wanted to ask you. We just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast to have a little bit of a chat about rugby. You have had a short career, but it's been amazing. You've made history and playing for Glasgow Warriors is, is an achievement. So thank you very much for coming to chat to us. Well, it's brilliant. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I've done it, like did this uh, podcast, even though it was really scary. You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, bringing you the latest updates, captivating interviews and in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now we have some exciting news for our listeners. This season, we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years, serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England. What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland. So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season and looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options. But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Now... Let's get back to the action on the field. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. Welcome back to part two of this 22nd episode of season two. Great to have a guest back in 2024. Fantastic to chat to Phaedra this week. A lot going on for her, but also a lot going on in our regional rugby. We've got the results roundup, the fixtures preview, of course, and it is exciting. We can fire through because we had a few called off games, postponed games again. Obviously, this weather is hitting the UK pretty hard at the moment. That's not the exciting part, though. The exciting part is that the cup is starting this week and for other teams in the coming weeks too, which just adds to the excitement of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway. We start with Newton Stewart and after drawing last week, they got back to winning ways. And not only that, but they kept a clean sheet, which is pretty rare actually 
in, in rugby, isn't it, John? Newton Stewart, 18 at Bladnock. Gordonians, nil. Yeah, it's really rare in rugby to end up with a duck. And unfortunately, that happened to Gordonians, but well done for Newton Stewart getting the red wall back after I gave him a little bit of a criticism on the podcast last week about just how porous they, they looked in the, the video clips that I had seen. So well done to them. Well done to the ground staff as well, because I've seen it on social media. I don't know if you've seen that, Roscoe, but did you see how Newton Stewart managed to keep their pitch playable this weekend? No, I didn't. I would guess it would be something something covering it maybe in the last couple of weeks or something like that. But I, I honestly don't know. I didn't see their I'll have a go I'll go have a look actually. Yeah, no, it was on their socials. They managed to get some some slurry sheets. Not some slurry sheets, some silage sheets. There's my knowledge of farming for you. Silage sheet and managed to cover the pitch, weigh it down with some tires to try and make sure the frost didn't get to it. And that was on, I'm sure that was on Monday or Tuesday last week. So they were desperate to try and make sure this game went ahead. But as you say, the weather was hitting the UK pretty bad and it was extremely strong winds down at Bladnock, which played into Newton Stewart's hands in the first half. They played it really well, managed to force a few errors, probably cost them a few scores because of the weather, just not being able to keep a hold of the ball. Robert Service and Matt McCormick managed to both get on the score sheet with Jack Gaw penalty, which meant that Newton Stewart went in 13-0 up at halftime. The second half is one of the most dogged performances Wiley has ever seen. Uh, they scored a cracker of a try with some great offloading to find Wilson Sloan on the wing to get to their 18-0. From there on out, it was all about defence. Gordonians tried time and time again to try and go over the Newton Stewart line, but Newton just managed to have enough in their defensive tank to keep them out. Probably defended the 22 for 10 minutes, probably, but showed some great discipline and determination before eventually winning the ball and managing to clear the line. They were not that worried about the bonus point because it was such a, a heavily contested fixture between the two sides. So Wiley's just more than happy for that game to be a win. Of course, Gordonians are sitting just a couple of league positions below Newton Stewart, although they have got some game in, games in hand. So they probably are evenly matched on the scale of things. But it was uh, one of the very few games that went ahead in that league. In fact, it was the only game that went ahead in that league. All other games off, the only game that went ahead was the Newton Stewart Gordonians. So gives them another fixture played. Newton up to 16 played now, sitting third. Thankfully, that one went ahead, but down at Park Farm, it didn't. Just a very quick word on this, John. Frozen pitch. So Dumfries Saints, west of Scotland, was unplayable. A shame because you mentioned last week it was another chance for Saints to keep that ball rolling but it'll have to be rescheduled Yeah it's just one of those things we spoke about it with some of the other teams as well that sometimes you don't sometimes you want a wee break a wee, a wee game off to recuperate but certainly not Saints they, they'd have been wanting to, to kick on again off the back of that and listen, it's, I don't know what the weather forecast like for the, the rest of the week whether the storm's going to be disappearing by the time the weekend comes but they're wanting to try and get on that pitch as soon as possible to make sure they keep that keep that momentum up. Another two teams that managed to get onto the pitch, Roscoe, was indeed North Berwick and Stewartry. Interesting picture on social media. Was that a strategic placement for uh, TJ's to cover TJ's modesty, or 
was he covered up himself? A little bit of both, I'd probably have to say. Definitely some strategic placing from myself on the socials, but good photo nonetheless and a, a really good win. We've got to be so chuffed with it, to be deadly honest. It was almost a carbon copy of the home game at Greenlaw, where I said last week it was really, really tight. I think we scored, they scored, we scored, they scored, and then we pulled away at home 27-10, and it was just the same. After a long bus journey, we had a, don't get me wrong, we had a really, really good side, full-strength squad, more, more or less, but a long journey, horrible conditions, a lot of mud, a lot of rain, and we hadn't played since before Christmas. So a really, really good game to be winning 41-12. But it was really tight for a lot of the game. We scored, then they scored, and then there was a long period of nothing happening. We managed to grab one just before halftime, but the halftime score was 12-7 to us. So absolutely anyone's game. And then the second half, we came out firing and took the game away from them. TJ McCorney getting two, Archie Nicholson getting two, John Pickin getting one, Sam Tate getting one, and Jason Forsyth getting one as well. They were one point ahead of us in the league, but that five-point bonus win sees us obviously move four ahead of them and up into fourth, which we've talked for a couple of weeks, Sandy saying that this is the game he, he really wanted to win, that we've been targeting for ages. We're now in that top four, first season back in the national leagues. I think we've got to be really, really chuffed. We played well, kept it together. Defence was really good, only to concede 12 points is it's pretty nice considering they scored at the start of the game and then scored in the last play of the game. So everywhere in between, we defended really, really well. Another really tough game coming up this weekend, but another chance to move even higher up that National Four table. So chuffed with, with how we got on at the weekend. Hopefully we can keep that ball rolling. As you say, John, if this second storm, because I believe we've got rid of Storm Aisha and we're into another storm now, which is pretty mental. So fingers crossed we get those games played. Speaking of which, another quick word on East Kilbride Annan over the weekend, another frozen pitch, another game that Annan will have to wait to play later on in the season. Yeah, just as you were running through your uh, your Stuart result there, I, I kind of thought to myself, oh, I predicted a home win there. Maybe I should maybe I should stop with the predictions because he's fairly fairly set that too. But thinking about it, I did predict the East Kilbride game was possibly going to be postponed with the weather because the notorious EK pitch. As we look down the rest of the results, it does look like I probably should stop making uh, predictions, but. Yeah, listen, that's not a major disaster for Annan. Um, it gives Juan a bit of time to sort of reconsolidate and try and get what's sorted there. I was speaking to Chocolate at the side of the pitch when when I was over at the Moffat game, and he was just saying, you know, it's what we've talked about time and time again, just numbers at training not quite being what they would have wanted it to be and not being able to get those combinations working. A wee break whilst this weather's so bad, because no one's really wanting to get out and train on train on this. Although they do, they are using the horse arena to train one night a week with the with the women's team. So um, they, they do have an option. But 
just like we said, if if they can get those combinations together, we know they're a decent side. They can turn teams over, and I'm sure EK was the was the game with the controversial kick in the last minute of the game. So they'll be keen to try and rectify that. Uh, and if it buys them another couple of weeks and gets them into the end of the season where they've got some good weather, then that's that's going to stand Annan in good stead because they they'll want to play in that fair weather, fairer weather. So it's not a major disaster. Speaking about predictions, your theme last week was was home advantage, home wins. And it wasn't the case for this one. And thank God it wasn't. A very tough place to go is Cumnock. But Shire went there and, boy, did they get a win. I seen on Blair Forsyth's Instagram after they'd won saying that they are back. And that is definitely a statement win to be back. Cumnock 22, Shire 28. Not a statement because it's a massive win or anything like that, as in scoreline-wise, but Cumnock is not an easy place to travel on that big pitch and they love to chuck the ball around and conditions probably would have been quite difficult as well. But congratulations to Shire. What a game, what a win. I did predict a home game, but I did predict that this was going to be two sides that were going to probably be pretty even and going to try and match each other play for play and, and, and width for width. Uh, and by the looks of the pictures on social media, that's certainly what was happening. All the play, all the pictures seem to be in the in the 15-metre channels, even the big props getting spotted out in the wide channels. So it's definitely two teams that have been throwing that ball around, like we say, and, and clean jerseys, which is the first time we'll see that on social media for this, for this weekend. But it's a great statement one for Shire. Uh, as you say, Cumnock's are a tough place to go. They've not had the most consistent seasons, both teams. So that being a, such an even match, it looks like both teams have played that game really well and Shire have just managed to to edge it, be dogged in the end up and coming away with that coming away with that win. So well done to those guys. That is that is indeed a great great win for them and puts them back up into that top five of the table, sitting now in fourth place. Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out as well to Archie Pickin, who's a Stewartry boy normally, but wasn't picked for our, our game at North Berwick. I think he was unlucky to do so. He's scored four tries in three games or something for us this season since coming back into, into playing rugby. Went sat on the bench for Shire and came on and scored a try in their win. Absolutely class, to be fair to him. So well done to you, Arch. So far, we've had Game played, game called off, game played, game called off, game played, and now we've got another game called off. Langham were supposed to play Broughton, but it was postponed, while the other games said the pitch was frozen, as in on the SRU website, it says frozen pitch. This time for Langham-Broughton, it says pitch unfit. I presume it was just the weather gave a good old battering to their ground down there. Yeah, it could be any number of things. It could be damage, damage to the goalposts, damage to the clubhouse, debris on the pitch. So, yeah, there's potentially a number of reasons why that that game could have been called off if it's not due to the frozen pitch and it's unfit. Uh, by the sounds of that, that's probably a goalpost blown down and therefore not able to be played on. And then to the big one, the one we talked a lot about last week, I presume... Well, I don't presume it's... If you were listening carefully enough, John said that he was at Moffat chatting to Chocolate, so I don't need to ask if you were there or not. John, 
you had a foot in both camps, but you were hoping for a Moffat win. You predicted a Moffat win and unfortunately came up short on both of those. Moffat 19, Irvin 27. And just to say as well, a little, little apology, I did actually know that that game was a league and cup or National Shield double. Rory Drennan told me that last week and I just it completely slipped my mind when we were talking about it last week. But they basically combined because they were supposed to play each other in both the league and the cup. They just combined it into one and says basically winner takes all. It's a double win for whoever comes out on top and it was Irvin this time around. Yeah, we, we we didn't mention it at all last week. But as you say, I did I did predict a Moffat win and I was way off the mark, to be fair. Uh, Irvin fully deserved their victory. There was a slightly earlier kick-off, half past one, uh, and in true John style, uh, I arrived a couple of minutes after kick-off to already have seen the scoreboard 7-0 to, to Irvin, so they managed to get a score pretty early on in the game. And then Moffat managed to, to get their score a score back off of a line-out, actually, considering I predicted they would maybe going to struggle for ball off the line-out. But then Irvin took a stranglehold in the game. They played pretty much exactly how we expected them to play and what I said they were going to try and do. They were fairly aggressive. They were fairly abrasive. They were taking it on to, to Moffat. And, and Moffat really struggled in the first half to try and combat that. They didn't really know, in my opinion, they didn't really know how to handle that. They started getting really frustrated with themselves, with Irvin, which just played into into the fire. And, and listen, Irvin are the masters. I was I was talking to people at the side of the pitch about it. You're indoctrined at Irvin into being that sort of aggressive and abrasive, but within the limits of the law, kind of grey area. But certainly trying to get inside the head of the opposition, trying to put them off. And that's certainly that's definitely what happened. They ended up there was a yellow card. Andy Render was was refereeing it. I thought he did reasonably well considering it was it was such a such a towsy game. It could very easily have been a red card. Like it was fairly fairly obvious the boy got himself involved in a fight that he didn't need to get involved in. But it had been getting heated so Andy deemed it a yellow card offence. Got the boy 10 minutes in the sin bin, which really didn't help the cause much. Once the halftime whistle came, though, Moffat actually came on to a really good game. So Irvin had scored on our three, two or three tries in that first half. But in the second half, Moffat came back at them and got within three points. And I kind of thought to myself, well, here we go. The F- Ross has had a chat with him. He's got them organised. He's told them play your own game, play that quick tap, that off-loan game, because after that first line-out they won, the rest of the line-outs just went to pot, Spearsy in there, stealing every everyone, Russian shouting his head off at the at the, at the thrower, trying to make sure, Spearsy, this is yours, Spearsy, this is yours. Uh, and nine times out of ten, it did end up landing in Spearsy's hand. They, they came back in, they started playing quick tap penalty. Scott Galloway, I thought, really intelligent play, got his hands on the ball real quick and started taking the quick tap penalties, which Irvin struggled to, to try and contain. They started playing a little bit of the offloading game and they got within those points. They then went for a kick to try and draw it and it, and it just fell short. There was a couple of times they went for a kick and it just sort of fell short. And if one of them had went over, it could have been a different game, but they didn't. 
Irvin kept hold of the ball after that little spell and managed to just eke their way in front and probably looked fairly comfortable towards the tail end of the game. I thought it was a really good performance from Irvin. The one thing I will say for both sides, and I did promise Ashley Douglas that I was going to mention this on the podcast, that there was so many referees there on Saturday up and down the touchline wanting to give Andy their opinion on what was happening within the game that Dumfries and Galloway should be awash with referees with everybody thinking that they had a hold of the whistle or that they were the, the TMO and try, try to shout on at Andy. As I say, I thought Andy did a really good job, especially because it was so towsy. He knew it was going to be towsy because he listened to the podcast. Yeah, and he said to me at the end of the game, he was like, I knew this game was coming because you had you had forewarned me, so I appreciate that. It was one of those ones with Towsy on the pitch, but then afterwards it was it was all good, all good banter uh, and all good chat. Spearsy did say to me that he'd obviously listened on the podcast, he was wanting to turn up with the inflatable Zimmer frame, but shows you the importance of the game and how much they respect Moffat that he decided that that was going to be too much of, of, of taking the mick and, and they had to be serious and really respect the game that Moffat were going to bring to them and they did for that, for that little spell, that 20 minutes. If Moffat had played the full game like that, I think it would have been a different result but they didn't. They weren't able to do that. Irvin imposed their game and Irvin deserved the, the victory. So well done to them. That puts them right in the title race. It's only probably Burkmeyer now that can be and with a shout but there is some ambiguity about how many get promoted from the West Region Leagues. I've st- I've still to get my head around that. So once I get my head around it, I will come back and tell everybody. But there's still a bit of stuff to play for Moffat. They could potentially still catch Burkmeyer and get into second place. But it's now sort of out of their hands. They're now hoping that Burkmeyer slip up. Irvin do them a favour. Irvin win the rest of their games. And then they get to take on Burkmeyer and, and win that game. So still a bit to play for for Moffat. So it's not total end of the season for them but it does kind of put Irvin in the driving seat for promotion In the women's game we have our first how do I phrase it round up I suppose first team that has completed their league season is what I'm trying to say Anna Warriors went away to Greenock, Greenock won 22-0 but as I say that was Annan's final game of the season in that West One League, finishing, unfortunately, bottom of the table. But like we've said for a while now, that's their season, their domestic season wrapped up. They can start to look forward to both next season and the upcoming cup as well. Yeah, when I spoke to Chocolate at the side of the pitch, he was really keen to try and rain on Greenock's parade. There's a bit of history between these two sides, I think again being similar to the Stuart Air sort of scenario where they were formed in and around the same time they've sort of gone up through the leagues at the same time they've sort of got that kind of friendly rivalry uh, although I don't know how friendly sometimes it is but certainly they were hoping to try and go up there they, they knew they were going to be struggling a little bit so they wanted to give a shout out to the five Dumfries girls who came across and gave them a hand to make sure that they were able to fulfil that fixture just due to some injuries and unavailabilities it was much like, well, we all know what the weather was like. It was uh, it was an absolute monsoon. So 
it was absolutely bucking it down, which meant the game was going to be a kind of up the jumper affair. And there was a lot of turn and throwing, but it was Greenock who managed to open the scoring when they made of a loose, they made the most of a loose ball to break through and managed to score. Not to be outdone, though, the Warriors managed to press from the kickoff, almost breaking the line, only to be penalised for holding on, which allowed Greenock to, to clear their lines. From that pressure, ensued another try just before half-time, which meant Greenock went in 12 nothing up. So it was a quick turnaround with the players because they didn't want to get any colder and wetter. And the Warriors pressed on again with Ash Clark, Kayleigh Warwick and Ashley Cole running hard in attack. But unfortunately, again, some loose ball caused a turnover and Greenock capitalised, making their way down into the Annan 22 before moving the ball wide to score. Greenock scored the bonus point try soon after that well, well worked try in the corner. Annan made a couple of changes, which saw the return to the pitch of standoff Nicole Barlow after an injury, and that allowed Annan to up some pace, which paid some dividends uh, with the Warriors battling hard against the Greenock defence. But it wasn't to come. Annan finished on zero points, Greenock on 22, and the referee decided after 60 minutes. Listen, girls, that's that's enough. This is just ridiculous playing rugby in this weather. Let's let's call it a day. So both teams agreed to that, and that was the end of the fixture. So yeah, Roscoe, as you say, Annan finishing bottom of the league, which does mean, unfortunately, that they are relegated out of West 1 with only one victory and one draw to show for their efforts. They'll have learnt a lot this season. They need to make sure that they take that, that learning forward. And listen, sometimes, although relegations are difficult, I've been there myself, sometimes going down and just reconsolidating and getting the fun back into into playing rugby has its added benefits. So good luck to Annan as they're going forward. Last but not least in this week's results roundup, quickly to say another postponement. Oban Lorne were supposed to host Shire Women, but that one, much like the other three in the men's, didn't go ahead. Yeah, it was another one of the predictions, wasn't it, Roscoe? Oban up there. Sometimes they're more open to the elements, especially with a stormy weather. So another one falling full of storm. What did you call it earlier? Storm Edna? Igna? No, Aisha. Aisha. Isha or Aisha. Ishi. Yeah, the storm. The Storm managed to, to beat them. Into the fixtures preview now, and we have, as I said earlier, a mix of cup slash shield slash bowl games, as well as some league action as well. Majority men's. and Warriors, of course, have just finished their season. Shire are still to finish their season, but their rearranged game will be in February as well as Stuartry Sirens starting their playoffs in the Scottish Premiership in February as well. But this weekend, we do have action for Dumfries Saints ladies. We'll come to that in just a second. We'll start, as we did in the results roundup, with Newton Stewart. Off the back of a good 18-0 win over Gordonians, clean sheet, Decent scoreline, good few tries from the match report that you got from Wiley, John. They're away this time. They're making the trip to Edinburgh and they're playing Stuart's Melville. 
Yep, and the first one up is, as you say, the league game for Newton Stewart versus Jumel. Last time these two sides played, Newton Stewart came away the victors down at Bladnock. I don't think it was an easy easy win. It was 38-25. Certainly having to work for it. So, again, there's no easy games in this league. Although Newton Stewart are going into this as, as the favourites, we say that quite regular for them because they are sitting way above uh, Stumel in the in the table with at least 30 points between the two sides. You just never know what happens when there's home games. But Newton Stewart surely off the back of that good win, having their defensive efforts rewarded with a, a clean sheet. They'll be wanting to try and keep a clean sheet again this weekend as they're, as they're starting to finish off their season with a bit of a bang and make sure that they keep Peebles and they keep Falkirk honest, keep chasing them down and any opportunity that they get for those two guys to, to slip up. They're hoping to try and capitalise on that. Of course, last Wade sort of sitting behind them there, sort of the dark horses sneaking in behind, having only played 13 games. They are also in with a shout, but Newton Shirt are looking up, they're looking at Peebles, they're looking at Falkirk and they're going to try and make sure they hunt them down, but can't be complacent when they come up against a team that's potentially lower in the league as them. So tough one, but I am going to go Newton Shirt win. So you're continue, continuing with the with the predictions, even though you uh, you said you'd stop, or you said you should stop after after last weekend. Oh, sometimes you've just got to, you've got to risk it, Roscoe. Risk it for a biscuit, pal. Stick my neck on the line. Well, as previously mentioned, we we're not one hundred percent sure how long this storm is going to be kicking around for. So we're praying that the games go ahead. If there is one to be cancelled, if you're going to predict, John a cancellation or a postponement, it would probably you'd you'd probably do pretty well to bank on Orkney against Dumfries Saints because if that storm is kicking around, is here to stay, it's gonna it's gonna be fairly rough on Orkney. Dumfries didn't play last weekend, frozen pitch, so they'll be really hoping to get this one played. It is an away game, it is a tough journey. If the weather is not great it's, it makes it ten times worse but it is Orkney versus Dumfries Saints. Yeah, as you say, there's no there's no easy way to get to Orkney. You either, you either book a flight, which could end up in France, the way things are, the way things have been going recently, or you try and take the ferry, which then means a bus all the way up to the ferry port to then get yourself on a boat. So no easy way about it. I know Dumfries Saints will be trying their hardest to make sure that if the game is playable that they are attending it. They'll not want to try and take an easy option and refuse to travel. But it does seem awfully unlikely that they're going to be able to do that trip the way that the weather is sort of panning out just now. So you're right, it probably is a bit of a bit of a safe bet. But if the game was to go ahead and you were looking at it, then again, it's all dependent on what Dumfries can can muster up because we've we've talked about this before with Saints that their away form hadn't been great prior to Christmas. They seem to have got a little bit of the hoodoo off their back. But if you're ever going to test a trip, this is the one that you're going to you're going to be tested on. And Orkney are absolutely no mugs. They won thirty three seventeen down at Park Farm. You've got to back them with their their home advantage. That's going to depend on. 
Dumfries being able to get there for one and what team Dumfries are going to be able to muster to get themselves there. But that's sort of one of the traits that Orkney bank on is teams maybe going up there with a bit of a, of a weaker squad, but they, they do travel really well. That's why they're sitting third in the league. So it's a tough one for Saints. Um, we do hope it goes ahead. And unfortunately for Saints, the betting man would, would probably go for back in Orkney. I said as I was going through our Stewartshire game against North Berwick weekend just past there that we have another tough run of things, another tough away day. We're headed to White Craigs, who are second in National 4. But again, much like you've just said in National 2, John, anyone can beat anyone. There's no easy games. I think we were really unlucky to lose to White Craigs at home. That was the 36-32 loss. So that was a really hotly contested game and I think we easily could have won that. Away from home, it's going to be a different beast. White Craigs have, have kicked on so well since that game earlier on in the season. But these are the games that you keep your eyes out for, isn't it? Second versus fourth in National Four. Yeah, I'm sure that was the... Was that the player that just stood and looked at the ball in the end goal area? and let the opposition player dive on it. They then moved that player as well, didn't they? They then moved them from the wing and put them at 10 for a while. Absolute lunacy. Yeah, I honestly can't remember who that was. We need to... <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure everybody that listens knows exactly who we are heavily suggesting that may have been Roscoe. But that's okay. We won't we won't make anybody anybody relive it because I'm sure they've, they've relived it loads of times in their head. But yeah, as you just say, it was a real close game the last time these two sides met. Only that mistake costing Stewartry dearly and probably put their season all all to pot, but that's by the by. And as you say, Roscoe, White Craigs having a fairly decent run of form. They've gone... Their last game they lost was actually way back in November. And that was against Galnock, who are currently beating everybody. So there's no shame in that happening. And then after that, you've got to go Strathmore the last time that happened right at the beginning of November so they've been on a fair fair run there has been a few games called off obviously in Christmas break and, and what not but they are going good in the table as you say when you're looking at it and you're thinking fixture wise who's got the advantage Stewartry on a decent run that good win away from home North Berwick White Craigs being at home are they going to be a little bit complacent thinking Looking at the table, thinking Stewartry's, you know, sitting fourth. They don't have anything really to play for. We Garnock clearly going to run away with the league, being being unbeaten so far. But there is second place to play for. So I think this is going to be a real close game, real hotly contested game. And again, a few people may call me biased, but I am going to make this our game of the week. Second versus fourth, Stuart versus White Craigs. It was a ding dong battle last time. I'm sure it'll be another one this weekend if the game is able to go ahead up in Glasgow. So I'm going to back Stuart. I didn't back his last time. I'm going to back his this week. Hopefully the results don't aren't affected by my predictions. Our first game away from league action is in the National Shield. Starting with Shire, they are playing Straven 
in round one. Yeah, and it's one of those weird anomalies when it comes to comes to cup games, Roscoe. That when they start when they start the cup games, they always play in the regional leagues. So you always get to play the same opposition you've played in the in the league, which has its advantages because obviously there's a lot less travel, but it also has a bit of its drawbacks that you don't get that mystery of of who you're going to get in the cup, and it could be somewhere new where you've never you've never played before. So these two sides are are going to know each other. And the last time these two sides played all the way back in September, it was Shire that ran away victors 31-15. So you've got to go off the back of that and be thinking that Shire will be going into this pretty confidently. Another home game for them against an opposition that they know that they can beat. The game at Straven had been postponed, so it's still to be played again. That was in November. So Shiro begins this comfortable, but as we said, cup games, anything can happen. League form goes out the window on these ones. And it is a one-off game. You you lose, you're out. That's essentially it. It's a bit of a cutthroat business. So Shire, we know, we spoke about it time and time again, about their inconsistency. This is an opportunity for them to try and get things running the way that they want them to run. So they've had a good win against Cumnock. Now they want to back that up, stack those wins on top of each other and have another success this weekend. Start a wee trip back to to Murrayfield when they've had a bowl success before. So nothing to say that they can't have another little, little run to Murrayfield this season. Yeah, and as you say, John, with the Cup, some ways that it works or the cup of the shield the ball I mean some ways it works it's just how it works here in Scotland and one of the things that happens is potentially getting a bye so Annan normally would be playing a game this weekend in the league but of course because the rest of their league is playing cup games they could be playing a cup game but they don't they have a bye so they are already waiting in round two just the way it works, isn't it, John? Yeah, it's it's just to try and work out so that there's always opposition when you're when you're going through to make sure that there's there's enough teams. If you played everybody uh, in this round, you wouldn't have enough to make a quarterfinals and a semi-finals. Uh, so they they draw it in a way that allows them some extra fixtures, people to get buys in the first round, so they can then get through and make sure that there's an even split come those fixtures. It's a, it's a weird and wonderful thing. I don't envy the guys for trying to organise it because that is a mathematical problem that would be way beyond me trying to figure out. Moving back to League Rugby then, and we've got two left in the fixtures preview. We have Linlithgow side already promoted from East 1. Absolutely flying. They'll be in National 4. Next season, looking forward to playing against them. But they are hosting Langham. A chance maybe for Langham to get back to winning ways if Linlithgow don't play a full-strength team, having already won the league, etc., etc. Either way, Linlithgow are topside. It'll be a hard game, but maybe one that Langham are hoping to get a bit of a scalp in. And you're right, Roscoe, they are already promoted into National Four, of, of course, with the first place position guaranteed a promotion 
second place is where it is up for grabs. Now, don't think Langham can expect to be in that battle. There would need to be some sort of real disaster. I mean, my math isn't great, but I'm pretty sure Langham are going to finish mid-table as well. So it's that chalk and cheese. Who's who's going to be the one that's going to play for pride the most? Who's going to be the one that's going to want to finish their season on a high? Well, Lithgow currently running unbeaten. I don't imagine they're going to take it easy. And we know that the Muckleton is not one for lying down, so they'll want to make sure that they put out their best team as well. And hopefully, maybe even give Linlithgow that first that first loss, stop them from getting that perfect season. Interesting game. Uh, you've got to go Linlithgow, though, currently running unbeaten as the potential favourites coming into this clash. We have Moffat at home again, and they are playing Hindland. Team, they are a good 25 points ahead of in the league, so we are expecting... That's quite an annoying word to hear when you're a when you're a player. But expecting a win, hoping for a win at least, and I'm sure John, you are predicting a Moffat win here as well. Home soil, welcoming Hindland. Yeah, you're going to you're going to go with that. You're going to go Moffat, Moffat to pick up that victory. They've they've played them before. They've beat them before. They're off the back of a loss, and sometimes you you get to see the character of a team and how they bounce back after a loss. And that's certainly what Ross School and the coaching team at Moffat are going to be looking for. He spoke about it after the game, about how proud he was of the boys being able to put in a fight to manage to to take Irvin on up front and to get within the three points. And if that kick had gone over, it could have been slightly different. But... This is the game where we know that they're sometimes a little bit lax and a little bit susceptible to, you know, now that they're coming off the high, the league isn't up for grabs anymore in terms of what they are. They're now playing for a bit of pride. There is that possibility of a bit of complacency that they'll need to guard against and make sure that they're on their on their game and, and have a performance that they can bounce back from after that loss against Irvine to try and make sure that they do sort of look towards that second place because as we say, you never know with the way things are working out, who gets promoted, who doesn't. There is that opportunity for that second place to be all important. So they've got to keep on it. They've got to make sure that they try and chase down Burkmeyer and make sure that if Burkmeyer do slip up, because I think Burkmeyer have still to play Irvin, that there's an opportunity for them to be able to sneak into that second place. So they've got to keep their heads up and they've got to go for it. So I would predict them off at one off the back of this game. That rounds us off for the men, but we have the one and only fixture for Dumfries ladies coming back round to some more non-league action. They are playing this Sunday, I believe, John. They are, Roscoe. They have managed to make themselves or get themselves onto the Scottish Rugby website for the first time this season. And they are, of course, going to be competing in the Women's National Bowl and as you say their first game up against Greenock Wanderers who are going under the name of Greenock Wanderer Wasps this will be their second team so now Carther we've talked about Carther in the past having a second team in the leagues this is Greenock's attempt at having that second team now these two sides will know each other reasonably well 
Saints and Greenock always having those sort of battles uh, through the, the little league campaign that they've had, that they've been running through. Saints have come out on top majority of the times. I think only once Greenock turned them over. And that was when they combined the two teams together. So this is another opportunity for the two teams to be combined together and for Saints to try and make sure that the the form that they've had off that opposition in the past, make sure that stays because that's another weed on Friesen Galloway run into into a National Bowl final, a Murrayfield final would be something spectacular. And listen, Saints have had a pretty tremendous season so far. It would be good for them to try and work their way through this, give them a bit more competitive fixtures. It's a bit further afield. They'll have uh, Glasgow Uni, they'll have Mar, they'll have Dalkeith, they'll have Gala, they'll have Berwick, and they'll have Fraserburgh all in their little pool to try and get themselves into the next round of the cup. So they'll play those pool games, they'll then go into the cup, or the bowl, sorry. A wee trip at Murrayfield potentially awaits if they can get through this. As always, the only thing left to do is fire through the any other rugby business. And although John passed the torch on to me last week, I will be starting. Don't worry. We, But this time we've both got some any other rugby business to go through. Mine is simply a an extension from last week. I promised that once we had the full list of all the girls getting into the regional under 16 and under 18 sides, I would let you know exactly who they are. So, in the West, under 16, nominated for regional girls, we have Amy Vance from Newton Stewart, Anna Canning from Annan, Ailey Jameson from Wigtonshire, Emily Hislop from Dumfries Saints, Eileen Wilson from Dumfries Saints, Louisa College from Annan, Lucy Giles from Dumfries Saints, and Megan Hutchinson from Annan. Now that's the under-16s. In the West, under-18s, we have a really good showing as well. From Saints, Louise Tapperell, also Zara Kilpatrick and Casey Knox, as well as Daisy McFeggan, Molly Russell, Mika Walls, Amy Peacock, Skylar Smith and Kelsey Smith. From Annan, we have Neve Ross, as well as Imogen Spence, who is playing for Bigger, but is in fact a Dumfries and Galloway girl. So congratulations to her as well. It, two pieces of any other rugby business for from me, Roscoe. We have the Scottish Rugby Blueprint which is going to be on the 19th of February happening at Northwest Community Campus. That's open to all coaches to go along to that and get a bit of knowledge and a bit of upskilling in terms of the new and latest trends coming out of coach education or game development for Scottish rugby. I would recommend that we try and get as many coaches across to that as possible because it is a fickle little world that we live in and unfortunately if it's, these events aren't very well attended in whatever regions then it's very difficult for us to justify being able to hold them again so if we can a big turnout for D&G would be incredible because then that way we can justify having 
the, these guys come down and, and visit us down in Dumfries and Galloway rather as, as always having to travel to Ayrshire for these meetings. So the DO squad have fought hard to try and make sure that that happens. So if we can support them, that'd be incredibly brilliant. The other piece of any other rugby business, much like last week when Chocolate had come on, got on to me and uh, said about the Doddy aid, I have had yet more contact through text message and social media. This time from Rab McHenry, who is not happy with us, Roscoe. <laughs> he is not happy with us. We, on covering the Spice Cup, we forgot to mention that Rab McHenry was refereeing that game, having come out of retirement for the 394th time, and also that it was his 20th time refereeing that fixture. He's did it for he's did the game twenty times previously. So well done, Rab McHenry. Here you go, here's your shout out. And I will hear from you again in three weeks' time whenever you catch up with the podcast, because you're clearly behind if you've only just listened to the Spice Cup review. We'll catch up with you whenever you catch up with us. Yeah. But well done, Rab. Congratulations on another coming out of retirement. We'll no doubt see you again soon somewhere else. There we go then. So much going on. We've got domestic rugby, we've got cup rugby, chances to win some silverware, girls regionals, referees out of retirement, chances for club members to show themselves and, and represent D&G even more. So plenty to look forward to in the next week. And as we know, as always, there will be plenty more to talk about this time next Wednesday when you're hearing episode 23 but for 22 that is us cheers john see you in the next one cheers let's go thank you for listening to another episode of the dumfries and galloway rugby podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please leave us a like and review on our social medias our facebook page is dumfries and galloway rugby podcast our instagram and twitter handles are dg rugby pod we also have the score predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby and Dumfries and Galloway across the country.